It's New Comics Day, Wednesday, March 16th, 2016, and you're listening to God and Comics, Truth, Justice, and the Anglican Way. On today's show, Sacrifice. Many great stories have themes of sacrifice right at the center, and comics are no exception. We'll talk about how the theme of sacrifice has been a staple in comics through the years and why it matters. And before the end of today's show, as a special bonus for you, the listener, one of us, and I'm not saying which one, but one of us, will be ritually slaughtered in the hopes of receiving rain and plentiful crops in the new year. (laughs) So be ready for that. I'm your host, Father Jonathan Michikin. I am rector of Church of the Holy Comforter in Drexel Hill, Pennsylvania. On the line with me today is Father Kyle Tomlin. Father Kyle, where are you? I'm at Church of the Messiah in Fredericksburg, Virginia. And also on the line today is Father Matt Stromberg. Father Matt, where are you? I'm at Christ Episcopal Church in Cooperstown, New York. Wonderful. Well, it's good to see you guys. And I am fresh back uh, recently from Oklahoma City. I I got to go out to Oklahoma City to All Souls Episcopal Church in Oklahoma City. They had me come out for uh, something like five days. I was there a while. I preached at their Sunday services. I did a quiet day for them. And then the big thing that I was there to do was to give a talk at one of their Lenten dinners um, and this is a pretty decent-sized parish, so they have a few hundred people come out to these dinners. Uh, but my talk was called C.S. Lewis, Comic Books, and the Gospel in Pop Culture. And, uh, I, and I did talk about all of those things uh, and had a really good time doing it, had some wonderful, uh, wonderful good reception for it. Um, I understand, I don't know if he's been out there yet, but I understand that, that David Zoll of, of Mockingbird is actually going to be out there sometime soon and so i was just i was really excited i got to talk about pop culture before he did i thought you know that's fun but uh, i i just wanted to mention them and uh, give a shout out to i met dozens of of wonderful people and i'm I'm sorry i can't remember everybody's name but i do want to shout out a couple of people uh scott johnson um who is a professor at the uh, university there and also a comic book guy and he uh, took me out to Speeding Bullet Comics in Norman, and we got some really uh, great stuff there. Uh, Father Patrick Bright, who's the rector there, who is a Canadian and got himself a, a, a trade of Captain Canuck when we were out at the comic book store, so that's exciting. Uh, <laughs> Father Max Stewart, who's, who's also on, on the staff there and a um, covenant guy. Father Aaron Taylor, who is an Orthodox deacon, and one of these people who I was friends with on Facebook and had never met in real life, and now I've actually met him in real life, so that's that's exciting. Um, Father Nathan Carr, who is the headmaster of the Academy of Classical Christian Studies and the rector of St. James Church there. And uh, last but not least, uh, Anne Reich. I'm not sure if I'm saying her last name right or not. Uh, but uh, she is a, a, a teacher and a, a member of the parish there and teaches poetry to uh, middle schoolers. And uh, when she found out about my hip-hop background, was very interested in that. <laughs> and so I actually sent her a bunch of um, rap songs that she could actually play in her class that didn't have too many F-bombs in them. And... Um, <laughs> 
uh, not mine. Well, I send her some of mine too, but um, but uh, other people's. Uh, so uh, those students can thank me for that, I suppose. Um, and and I, I, they I think they, that might be a part of your background that our listeners are not totally familiar with. Well, I think when last it came up, it was edited out. Well, and it may be again. We'll see. But uh, one of the other things is they, they really loved uh, hearing about the podcast, and I talked about it quite a bit, so hopefully some of them are, are listening today. But they gave me this wonderful uh, thing. Um, you know, they were so happy with the talk that uh, they, they clapped for me. And, of course, you know, I, I told a lot of funny jokes. Anyhow, this machine here can do all sorts of things, and uh, um, we're upgrading now to uh, canned laughter and clapping, like a sitcom from yes, the 1980s. It's true. What? It, it, it's actually a, a guy back there, like from the police academy. He's doing all those sound effects. That's right. <laughs> That's right. He is with Just us. With his hands now. He is That's with right. us today. So. With no further delay, let's go to our <laughs> recommendation today. Uh, and uh, what's our recommendation today, Father Kyle? Our recommendation today is a, an oldie but a goodie. In keeping with our theme of sacrifice, our recommendation is the uh, original 18-issue run of Silver Surfer that was done by Stan Lee and uh, John Buscema. <laughs> Um, Silver Surfer for anybody who missed that. Sorry, I'm going to put this away now. <laughs> yeah. uh, it tells the story of, of the character of the Silver Surfer after his initial multi-issue run in the Fantastic Four comics. In the Fantastic Four comics, Silver Surfer was something of an Old Testament prophet mm-hmm. kind of a character. He lived on a planet that was about to be eaten by the world eater Galactus. And in an effort to prevent Galactus from eating his home planet and in particular killing off the love of his life, Shalabal, he makes a deal to become the herald of Galactus. So he has to be the scout that goes out and finds planets that are worthy of devouring. And through much of the time that he spent in the Fantastic Four comics, he acts as this you know, prophet of doom and gloom, if you will, who goes and announces the coming of this god who will eat them up. He betrays Galactus towards the end of that run. After encountering human beings on Earth, he decides that um, he has some compassion for them and wants to help them and spare them. And so he, as a punishment from Galactus, is sent to Earth, and a barrier is put over the Earth, and he is not allowed to escape the Earth. So... In the 18-issue run of Silver Surfer, he has to spend his time on Earth and is looking in many ways to try to save the human race. And so he moves from being an Old Testament prophet-type figure to a Christ-like figure, although that said, um, a slightly heretical type of Christ-like figure, uh, more in keeping with the Gnostic view of things, perhaps. It's a very, very well-written story, as most of Stan Lee's stuff was, and Silver Surfer was an extremely close-to-the-heart character for Stan Lee. In fact, I didn't know this until recently, but Stan Lee had made a deal with Marvel Comics that no one was ever allowed to write Silver Surfer except him. 
And uh, Marvel violated that in 1987 when they turned Silver Surfer over to John Byrne, which I think really broke Stan Lee's heart. But um, this was a character that was very near and dear to him, and you can tell that in the course of the writing. You see a lot of religious themes. There's a particular issue in which Silver Surfer takes on Mephisto, the devil, and you have kind of a classic Christ versus the devil type of thing going on there. But in the midst of it all, you have this larger story of sacrifice and the surfer wanting to sacrifice himself to not only save his home planet and the the woman that he loves, but also on some levels to sacrifice himself for um, human beings and for the human race at large. So I highly recommend that you go out and find it. It's not that terribly hard to find. You're clearly not going to be able to afford the original books, but it's been collected in trade paperback form and a hardback form in a number of ways through Marvel Masterworks and uh, even through the the series that Marvel did of black and white reprints a while back. You can find it that way. And is it on, it's on Marvel Unlimited, I think, too. It is on Marvel Unlimited, too. So if you have a subscription to that, it's all right there. It's it's worth getting the subscription just to read the Silver Surfer. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that does dovetail very nicely into our theme for today, which of course is sacrifice. And uh, before we talk more generally about sacrifice, I wonder if you guys might have some good examples of sacrifice in comics. Of course, uh, Father Kyle just mentioned one. Uh, Father Matt, do you have any good examples of of sacrifice and how sacrifice has played itself out as a theme in comics? The one that is coming to mind uh, immediately is Captain America. And Captain America is one of the most just unambiguously heroic figures in the Marvel Universe. I mean, there, there's been a few examples of Captain America dying, and <laughs> uh, he's always been back. <laughs> the most recent example is Captain America's heroic stance in, in the Civil War crossovers event. Captain America sort of puts himself on the line to stand up for what he believes is, is the right choice. And in the end, also sort of surrenders himself to the authorities to uh, to avoid further bloodshed. I mean, he, he, you know, he gives himself over in that way. The, the sort of apologue to the Civil War is where um, you know, the, the whole thing continues and Captain America dies. I mean, there's, a, there's, this, there's that whole sort of media event of Captain America's death where uh, he puts himself in the way of the sniper fire. And for a, a, at least a long time, you know, everybody thought Captain America had, de- had died. And he sort of died this very public death on the steps of a courthouse or something like that. It's been a while since I read it. It was very dramatic, especially in the aftermath of the whole Civil War event and in in the way he heroically took the lead in, in opposing what was going on there. I, I think the other example that comes to mind right off the top of my head is Dark Phoenix in the X-Men. So Dark Phoenix uh, was Jean Grey. Jean Grey, is, is, is she has all this kind of latent power that is, is mm-hmm. on tap. And, you know, when she finally comes into the fullness of her power, it, it has a maddening effect on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in, inside of her is still Jean Grey. I mean, and, and so you, you have this sort of very dangerous 
very powerful villain that she becomes. But in the end of the series, she, despite that, ends up acting heroically and kind of saving the day, saving saving the world, and, and she gives her life. Um, yeah. So even even after sort of going bad, she redeems herself through this amazing sacrifice that she performs. So one example of sacrifice that um, I've seen in comics recently, which I thought was was pretty interesting, was in Mark Wade's run on Daredevil, which I just happened to finish up last night, coincidentally. It's a fantastic series, and that's another recommendation I would make to anybody if you're yeah. in, in looking for something to read, find it. It's like 50-some issues that he was on. I think he yes. had one of the longest runs on Daredevil, too. I think he, but, had, I think he actually had the longest run besides... Um... Uh, Stan Lee. Lee, yeah. Yeah, wow. wow. At the very end of the story, Daredevil has sort of been outed and he's had his identity revealed to everybody and now he's decided not to wear a costume anymore because uh, everyone knows who he is, that Matt Murdock is Daredevil. And one of the villains manages, the Shroud, manages to have every single recorded piece of conversation Daredevil has ever had broadcast to everybody. And it's spread on every television and news media um, media source that's out there. Daredevil's recourse in the midst of that was to turn to the kingpin, his bitter arch rival. And his plan in the in the midst of it was to offer Daredevil or to offer Kingpin his life. He would give up being Matt Murdock and let Daredevil have or let Kingpin have him, and let Kingpin remake him and use him for his service, also that he could save his friends. Things don't quite play out that way, but that that moment in the comics was a very powerful moment. You know, clearly we're drawing to the end of the series, and you see Daredevil willing to sacrifice everything that he is simply so that he can save Foggy Nelson and his girlfriend, uh, Kirsten McDuffie. So I thought that was a great moment of, of sort of getting at a, a semi-Christ-like form of sacrifice in comic books. See, now you guys, in a weird twist of events, I usually come with the modern examples, and you guys usually give uh, the much older ones, um, but you guys have given a couple of, of uh, modern examples. The ones that uh, jumped to mind immediately for me were actually some of the older ones, and not necessarily any specific storyline, but really the underlying theme of the storylines of DC's Trinity, the uh, the big three, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. In a way, you can almost do this with almost any superhero or hero, for that matter. Uh, but particularly with those three, you see how sacrifice is something that works into the shape of all three of them in their identity itself. Superman uh, is repeatedly sacrificing any sort of other kind of life and he's somebody who has another kind of life that he would really like to live like you get the impression that superman would probably have been okay just being a, a journalist you know or even being like a farmer <laughs> or something but he sacrifices that for the opportunity to be a hero and puts himself in front of danger as often as he possibly can. Batman 
sacrifices himself too, but in a sort of different way. It has to do with his pain over the loss of his parents and the sense that he wants to have some sort of revenge. That's certainly part of it, and we've talked about that before. But there's also a sense there that he doesn't want any other child to go through what he has gone through, which is also part of, I think, what leads to some of the psychology behind his his working with children, right? His working with Robin and, and so forth. And so he sacrifices everything that he has basically to this purpose. Like this purpose becomes his whole reason for being. And it's a sacrifice that permeates his being. It takes place when he's Batman in the obvious sense of all of the fighting that he does. But it also even takes place as Bruce Wayne. He keeps up a sort of appearance of a billionaire playboy in large measure for the way in which it helps him to be Batman. And so there's there's almost a double sacrifice that takes place there. And then Wonder Woman sacrificing herself uh, in some ways for uh, Steve Trevor, specifically, uh, when he lands on, on Paradise Island and, and needs somebody to take pity on him and take him home. Uh, the original reaction is, we should just kill this guy. It's a man. We should kill him. Um, and uh, she says no to that. She wants to help him. But even beyond that, she chooses to, you know, the way that, that, that this works out in the comic, and anybody who's familiar with the old TV show would, would know this too, because the story in the first episode of the TV show is basically the same, uh, except Cloris Leachman is, you know, chewing on the scenery the whole time in the TV show. But, um, but basically, the story is it's decided that one of these Amazon warriors is going to go and going to bring him back home, Steve Trevor back home, and then basically is going to stay and be an ambassador for the ways of peace, for the ways of this island. It's a big sacrifice to lose your family and everything else. And she doesn't, Hippolyta, the queen, really doesn't want Wonder Woman to be the one to do it. She doesn't want Diana to be the one to do it because it's her daughter and she wants her there. But Diana wants to make the sacrifice and knows that she has to for the sake of her people and for the sake of people in the rest of the world. And so she disguises herself, enters into the contest, wins the contest without anybody realizing it's her, and then to her mother's sadness discovers that it's her underneath the mask, and but, you know, it's too late. She has to go through with it. So, like, all of these classic heroes, I think, have this element in their story somewhere of sacrifice, and it's very often sacrifice of themselves. Sometimes it's in this literal way of they put their bodies in harm's way. Sometimes it's more psychological than that, but it seems to be a recurrent theme among almost all heroes. And I wonder what you guys think about that. Why do heroes particularly need to make sacrifices? There's a level in which heroism is almost, it's about sacrifice. A, a hero is, is someone who is willing, at least potentially, to uh, lay down their life for, for someone else. You know, it's, uh, it's someone who puts themselves in harm's way. Uh, who makes the difficult decisions, who accepts the consequences, you know, who's virtuous even to the detriment of their reputation or or their own advantage. All of these things are what we typically consider heroic. 
I think it's it's part of our it, it's part of our makeup as human beings to look up to heroes and to long for heroes because I, I think we all are sort of aware of our own vulnerability of our own moral weakness and so whether we articulate it or not we long for a savior we long for a heroic person who will put himself between us and the evil in the world who will rescue us from the hopeless situations we find ourselves in you know in, in ancient times you know they created mythologies they made these larger than life heroic human figures or, 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 or gods or, or, or whatever. Today, I mean, it sort of plays out in pop culture. I mean, and, and comic books are, of course, a, a very, um, you know, rich uh, place for, for the flowering of, of this sort of mythological, you know, imagination. I, I, I think all of the, this deep longing, I think, ultimately is about our, our longing for Christ. You know, you, you talked about um, C.S. Lewis, what Lewis called the good dreams that have been sort of in every culture. You know, the good dream of the heroic uh, individual who, who, who is willing to sacrifice himself for the sake of others. I mean, th- these are all sort of, you know, Christ images, you know, at, at, at the heart of, of the you know, of our human longing and, and our and our storytelling. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think that you know the idea of heroism is based in the idea that we that there are such things as good and evil, and we are abundantly aware that there is evil around us all the time, and that's where our source of longing comes from: is to be free of the evil that is around us. And, you know, that requires somebody to be able to do the liberating, to set us free from that, which goes all the way back to the very, you know, the promise of God that's in Genesis chapter 3, where the, the first promise of Christ that, um, you know, he shall bruise your heel, you shall bruise his heel, but he shall bruise your head um, with regard to Christ and the devil. And um, that sense that's, that they're, is a sacrifice taking place there that even the one who will do the crushing will have that done through means of being bitten, through being bruised. And, you know, that obviously that's the salvation history that gets played out throughout the entire scripture is that there's repeats of that promise of God that keep echoing in various types through the, the Old Testament figures of one who will come to sacrifice himself to save us. And that just repeats over and over and over again until we see its fulfillment in Jesus. And um, I think, you know, that echoes throughout the whole of creation, as as you rightly pointed out, Father Matt. There is something that has, that has spread, you know, even in the midst of, of non-Christian religions. There's still an element of that that lingers in there. There's the echo of that very first promise that was spoken in the garden that hangs in there. And I think that tends to inform our view of heroes and heroism um, and what it is to be one, to set one free. I also think that there's a little bit of a deeper aspect to it. There's a gentleman named George Otis who wrote a book called The Twilight Labyrinth a while back, who's a Baptist pastor. And um, 
in the book, he had made a case um, following off of some of the writings of the church fathers and uh, some of the reformers that when we were first created, we had abilities that were far beyond what we have right now. And I always wonder, you know, and that we lost them in the fall and that that's what it means when Adam and Eve found themselves naked. They no longer were clothed in the way that they once were. And so he makes the argument that there's something deep in our psychology that ha- that knows we once were that. And this is the idea of where superheroes in particular come from, because if you follow all across different cultures, the idea of a Superman is present in almost every society that exists. And so I just happen to wonder whether there's sort of a blending of that with with the promise of Christ that echoes throughout our creation. We, um, we have this latent understanding of that that mixes with it. That's interesting. And I, I've, I've never heard that argument before. I might have to check that, that book out that you were just talking about to, to see. I, I'm actually thinking and going a little off of what you said there, Father Kyle, that the deep need that we have for a hero itself is certainly related to our realization that there is um, both good and evil in the world and that we want to be freed from evil and protected from evil. But I think the the notion of sacrifice as being a necessary element of a hero goes even even deeper than that and goes to a place within us where we are aware of the fact that there has to be some kind of reckoning or some kind of leveling some kind of reclaiming of the world if evil happens there has to be some way of compensating for it in a sense you know i made basically made the joke at the beginning of the program we're going to sacrifice somebody uh on the program today and we still may you know keep tuned in you never know um, but the idea of uh, sacrifices so that the crops will grow or sacrifices so that the rain will fall. And we can look at, you know, where that has happened in, in cultures in the past and think, oh, there's it's sort of superstitious in a way. You know, right. if I appease God with this goat or whatever it is, uh, he will, you know, make sure that the rain falls properly and so forth. But what I think is a, a real uh, impulse and a good impulse that lies behind the superstition is this idea of in God's world, as he designed it, there is, there is meant to be harmony and balance. And when something knocks that harmony out, when something knocks that balance over, there has to be some way of not just setting it right again, but almost of paying for it, if you will. Uh, and so there is this element that our heroes need to bleed a little bit, right? Like, we wouldn't like the movie if the hero goes up against the bad guy, knocks him out in one punch, and goes and has a celebratory beer and goes home, uh-huh. right? We want to see him get bloodied up a little bit before he comes back and beats the bad guy. Why is that? You know, I think I think there's that element to it. Like we think there has to be some kind of reckoning there. You guys think? I don't know. Well, um, I, I mean, I, I kind of want to back up to a, a little bit to to what you were saying about um, sacrifice 
setting things right. There's an atonement, you know, that happens right. through sacrifice. I mean, to use the, the example that, that I mentioned earlier, Phoenix, Jean Grey, her, her sacrifice ends up sort of being redemptive for her. It's, it's ennobling. And I think there are other examples that, uh, 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 you know, of, of essentially like villainous or, or complex figures in comic books who showed that there was this greater side to them through the sacrifice that they made. I think if we dug long enough, we could find lots of examples like that. But one example that was occurring to me, uh, you know, when you were talking about uh, about this was was Superman, the last kind of Superman story in the original kind of Silver Age continuity. So when, when they rebooted Superman, when John Byrne like kind of took Superman over, they, they ended the original series and they asked Alan Moore to write the last uh, Superman story, basically, in that continuity. And it was called Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Superman just goes through this like intense you know, loss and suffering, his whole world's kind of falling apart, you know, throughout the whole story. And then, you know, he has this final showdown with what turns out to be his most formidable villain, who is Mr. Mixelplick, <laughs> you know, or oh, however wow. you say his name, um, who, who, who is, who, um, is, is, it's gone beyond being sort of mischievous to being purely evil. And the only way, uh, Superman actually has to kill Mixelplay. But he's broken his own like sacred code never to kill. You know, this was always a line that Superman never crossed. And he crossed it. And and so he's like, there needs to be consequences, you know, for crossing this line. So he he kind of he enters into this golden kryptonite chamber and sort of divest himself of all his powers and just goes off into the arctic you know and it's like well whatever happened to superman is he dead you know he's gone you know he he did the hard thing that needed to be done and then he accepted the consequences for it you know there's there's that kind of atonement you know imagery in in, in that that there there is a setting right through the act of, uh, of of sacrifice and even of going through this suffering I agree. I think, you know, to go back to the Genesis narrative, even apart from Genesis 3.15, there's, in the in that curse that God puts on humankind as a result of their turning away from him uh, in unbelief, one of the things that we see is that it is only through pain that life will come. Mm-hmm. So Eve is told that she'll beget children through painful childbirth. Adam will get the crops of the land through the pain and the sweat of his brow. So there's something in the curse that has been laid on humankind that indicates that life can only come through suffering. Life can only come through some pain, which again points to, you know, the one big act of Christ, which is the is the redemptive act of his, you know, atoning sacrifice for us. But I think to answer Father Jonathan's question, even there at that origin of creation, we start to see that element that it's only through sacrifice, through something getting bloody, through something being hard, that life can actually come, that liberation can come. 
And of course, that works itself out all in the rest of creation in various ways, which, you know, gets to where we are even with pop culture today. Why in the action movies we have to uh, see the hero get bloody. There's still something worked into the DNA of our very fabric that recognizes it's only through pain that 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 can really take place. Yeah, and I think also it's sort of a, a vicarious way in which we identify with the hero, right? So the the hero is sort of face to face with with the struggle that we all feel, and, and you know he perseveres through it and he overcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and, 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 we, and and we could all kind of vicariously participate in, in, in you know in his victory because we've we've identified with him in his sorrow and his and his right. struggle. Are there any examples that you guys can think of of whether it's superheroes or other kinds of heroes that would be a hero where there wasn't sacrifice? Like, are, does that even exist? You know, nothing comes to my mind. Right now. <laughs> no. I mean, all the examples of what we count as heroism in this world tend to have a form of sacrifice. I mean, even if you look at the secular, so what do we? How do we define in the secular world what a hero is? You know, if you if we rely on the media's interpretation uh, of what a hero is, a hero is the you know the the police officers who run into the World Trade Center on, yeah. right. on September 11th. You know, it's the firefighters who lay down their life to rescue somebody from, a, you know, burning building. And on and on the list goes. It's always somebody. It's, you know, it's the guy that tackles the crook in the drugstore holdup, you know, who puts his life on the line that way. And it's always sacrifice for others for which somebody does not gain anything. So, like, we can talk about how all of life requires some kind of pain. Like, I might have to go through some pain to get what what I ultimately want. But that's not necessarily what we're going to call a hero. We're going to call a hero the person who sacrifices and does that pain, and they don't get anything out of it other than the safety of this other person or the well-being of this other person. I thought of a really sweet example. I'm in the midst of reading volume four of Superman Batman, the uh, New 52 Superman Batman. And so don't tell me what happens because I haven't gotten through it yet. But he's he's facing in the beginning of that story this unseen threat Superman is of somebody who really doesn't like him yeah. and who's basically just killing anybody who uh, is associated with him in any way. And this guy is shot and killed while wearing a Superman costume, just a regular guy who goes to entertain sick children wearing a Superman costume. And he's shot out of nowhere, and he looks down at his costume, and he says, and the kids say, are you okay? And he says, oh, I think I got a little ketchup on my costume. I'm just going to go take care of it. Goes out in the other room, collapses, and dies. And somewhere, uh, somewhere close by to that, I think I think it's Lois Lane who's talking to Batman. But uh, anyway, somebody is reporting this incident, and they say, well, why did he do that? And he said, because they didn't want to scare the children, because he was a hero. So the ordinary guy knew that the children would suffer from having to see this, probably cost his life because he didn't call out sooner. He would rather go in the other room. Wow. Yeah. Hey, hey! Do you remember? You remember the scene in the Captain America movie, the first one, where they're they're trying to find a candidate 
for the super serum, you know, and and uh, they're like, well, well, who is it going to be? You know, all these soldiers and they're all these big strapping soldiers, sort of, you know, some David imagery there. And of course, there's little there's little Steve Rogers and Tommy Lee Jones is like, well, I'll show you who. And he takes it uh, like a grenade. Like, I guess it's a dud. And he pulls the pin out of it. And he throws it and says, grenade! And everybody scatters. But here, Steve Rogers, like, jumps on top of it. Shields yep. it with yep. his own body. And then, you know, and he's like, uh, was that a test? You know? <laughs> and, uh, you know? He was ready to take the blast, you know, for everybody. And, and he sort of looks at him like, isn't it obvious? You know, he's like, well, he's still, you know, too skinny or whatever. But, you know, there's that example. Um, I remember Ash Wednesday a few years ago, I think it was, where I, where I preached about Jesus and made the example of the guy who throws himself on the grenade. Like, that. that's essentially what Jesus is doing by going to the cross for yeah, us. Yeah, I've, I've used a similar one that, the, you know, the Mack truck is bearing down on you and Christ pushes you out of the way mm-hmm. and takes it on himself. That's right. Just one last question uh, before we move off of this topic, which we could probably talk about forever. It's such a rich uh, uh, topic. But it is Lent. Uh, We have just a couple of weeks here left before Easter. And Lent is a season that is filled with sacrifice, right? We're, We're focused on the sacrifice of Christ, and we're also engaged in sacrifice ourselves through fasting and through almsgiving and and, uh, prayer and confession and all these other types of things. How might all of this that we're talking about in terms of sacrifice and heroism, how might it relate to those of us who are Christians who are keeping the Lenten fast? On the last Sunday of Epiphany this year, it was right after we did our episode on sidekicks. And it was also happened to be our acolyte commissioning. And so, um, and the text was the transfiguration, you know. So all these sort of things swirling together in my mind, I kind of was thinking about sidekicks and and, and discipleship and thinking how, like, the sidekick is, is sort of, like the disciple, he's imitating, he's trying to become like his his master, his lord, his rabbi. And we long for that beauty that was shown to us, you know, in the transfiguration, the glory of Christ. It's meant to be our glory. You know, we, we are supposed to shine with that same glory, to be transfigured with that same sort of, uh, you know, heroic virtue and, uh, and holiness. And the way in which uh, we get there is by going down the mountain with our Lord and, and following him in his path to the cross. You know, it was sort of a fitting way um, to begin the, the, the Lenten season with, with, that, with that idea of first seeing, well, you know, what is the goal? Our goal is to become heroes. <laughs> our, our goal is to become like our Lord in, in, in his heroism and his sacrifice. And we get there through sharing in his sacrifice. And that's what the Lenten fast is, is all about. It isn't, it isn't just about just sort of morbidly uh, testing our, 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 our self-endurance. It's about training for Christ-likeness. It's, it's about imitating our Lord. If we admire and, and look up to um, 
these sort of heroic uh, examples of sacrifice. Uh, we should aspire to it ourselves, and that's what we are in training to become. Well, I like to, during Lent, I like to actually take up smoking so that way other <laughs> people can't have cigarettes. So I'm sacrificing <laughs> myself. That's very, very noble of you, Father Kyle. You're, you're quite <laughs> a hero. My Lenten discipline. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, uh, don't smoke like Father Kyle does. But do listen to God in comics, because uh, other than the occasional piece of bad advice like that, it is, in fact, good for your health. And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed this conversation. There's a lot more that I'm sure you could say about it, we could say about it, and I hope that you will say about it. Please come, if you are not fasting from social media, please come and join us on the social media. Hit us up on Facebook, if you will, facebook.com slash godandcomics, or you can tweet at us. We are on Twitter. We are at godandcomics. And uh, we would love to continue the discussion with you there. But for right now, we're going to have to sacrifice that and move on to our last topic, this or that. This or that, this or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Batman or Iron Man, this or that. Spider-Man or Superman, this or that. This or that, this or that. Come on, everybody, let's this or that. Huh? Yeah, I should I should bring back the drum roll for this or that, right? Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. It gets it gets better and better, doesn't it? Okay. Who should go first today? Who should go first today? Any volunteers? It's just it's just the the sacrifice part. That's right. Yes, that's right. Who's gonna jump on the grenade? Who would like to jump on the grenade of my questions? I, I will. Oh, Father Matt. Like that. Well, you're you're a hero, and you and are a hero. you're probably gonna be able to get there a lot faster than Father Kyle, since he'll be wheezing from all of the smoking he's been doing. So. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Father Matt, first one goes to you. We're just going to get this out of the way early. A 57 Chevy or a slightly nicer 57 Chevy? Well, because I'm, as I already mentioned, heroic and sacrificial, I'm going to take this the, the lesser uh, 57 Chevy and leave the slightly nicer one for, for maybe some unfortunate person who, who um, you know, would really be blessed by it. So okay. I'm, I'm going to go with the, the the lesser of the two Chevys. Spoken like a true hero. Yes. Yes. So, Father, Father Kyle, I think that means you get the nicer one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and in my humility, I will have no, no 57 Chevy. <laughs> uh, okay, Father Kyle... May is going to be a big month for comic book movies. We got two big ones coming out: Captain America: Civil War and uh, X Men: Apocalypse. And so, my question to you: Captain America: Civil War or X Men: Apocalypse? Having seen oh. neither of these, <laughs> gosh, I haven't. Well, I've seen the previews for sure, them. Obviously, sure. um, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm I'm going to go with my gut reaction, which is to say Captain America Civil War, and it's solely for the fact that Spider-Man is going to be in it. And is he? I'm okay. 
to see Spider-Man. Did you see the preview with Spider-Man in it? I did. I did. He looks pretty awesome. Did you see it, Father Jonathan? No, I I haven't seen a preview with Spider-Man. I know they had worked that out, but I wasn't sure if looks. He looks super cool. Yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to send it to you, or go, or go to YouTube. Well, we'll it. we'll put a link up on the show page for I, sure. I already have. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. Father Matt, texting or calling? If it's just a matter of uh, one or two things, I probably text more than I call these days. Father Kyle, as we said, it's Lent, the Lenten fast. You know our friends in in the Orthodox East. So, Father. Um, if Father Nico is listening uh, this week, our friends in the Orthodox East, this is great Lent for them, and they actually fast from both meat and dairy throughout the uh, season. Um, so my question to you, Father Kyle, is meat or cheese? Meat. I love meat. <laughs> Bacon, pile it on. Even more than cheese? Even more than cheese, Yes. I was never a big cheese person growing up. I've come to appreciate cheese a little bit more as I've gotten older and I'm willing to try some different things. But, yeah, cows and pigs and all that I enjoy, despite my 10 years of being a vegetarian. I was going to say, I was a vegetarian for 18 years. I I, I like meat, but I can go a day without meat. There's rarely a day I go without cheese. you You know what I like? I like cheese on my meat ah you know? there you go because i like to express my freedom in christ that way you know that's especially, right especially if it's like you know like a lamb that was boiled and it's mother's milk and then just <laughs> with cheese you know i'm so starting i'm just... starting to question your heroism father matt <laughs> <laughs> Well, if Father Nico is listening, I will eat both his meat and cheese as oh, my form good. of Lenten sacrifice. Maybe he'll him. send it to you. That would be exciting. <laughs> and follow it up with a cigar. That's right. <laughs> uh, Father Kyle, you know, it's it's political season. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a whole presidential thing going on. Um, so I'm going to give you a very political presidential this or that. Donald Trump in The Apprentice... Or Donald Trump in Home Alone 2? I have to say Donald Trump on The Apprentice only because I don't know that I saw Home Alone 2. I saw Home Alone 1. Uh, I didn't even, I forgot that he was even in Home Alone 2. Well, there you go. That's, that's what this program is here for, to inform the listeners about the things that matter in this world. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Father Matt... Best show to remake. So I, there are a lot of shows now uh, being remade, some that should be, some that probably shouldn't be. Um, I don't know of a remake of either of these, but which one of these would be best to remake? Quantum Leap or Highlander? I, I, I'm a much bigger uh, Quantum Leap fan than, um, than the Highlander uh, fan. Father Kyle, this one's for you, and uh, I have a special surprise with this one. Um, as I'm sure you're aware, because everyone uh, is aware of such an important and momentous occasion, March 10th was Chuck Norris's birthday. Uh-huh. He turned 76 years old. Wow. And in honor of it, uh, I received this prayer 
the organist from St. George's Church in Nashville by way of Father Clint Wilson, uh, who then passed it on to a group of us, and Father Matthew Olver, uh, who teaches now at Neshota House, he adjusted it to make it work with right one. Um, uh, so... Um, being a right one guy, I appreciated this. So th- this is a special prayer for the special occasion of Chuck Norris's birthday. So uh, let us pray. Let us pray. Almighty God, giver of strength and judge of all greatness, we do give thee hearty thanks for that thou didst bless our fallen world through the birth of thy hero and thespian, Chuck Norris, after which he drove his mother home from the hospital. Even as thou didst proclaim in Psalm 147, to take no delight in the strength of a horse, neither delightest thou in any man's legs, we nonetheless rejoice in the discovery of a footnote in the Dead Sea Scrolls specifically exempting thy servant Chuck. We also offer thee thanks for his ability to hear sign language. Confirm and strengthen him boldly to continue the work thou hast given him to do, that his thunderous roundhouse kick may ever smite the heads of thine enemies, and that our every trial and tribulation may come to a happy conclusion in thirty minutes or less. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, and to the Republic for which he stands. Amen. Oh, uh, that was great. I think that just sums up all of our uh, innate longing for a hero. Uh, that is, yes, it is. It's, prayer. It's, yeah. it's amazing. So, uh, anyway, in honor of Chuck Norris, uh, Father Kyle, this goes to you, Chuck Norris, or pretty much anyone else? Chuck Norris. What can I, you say? I believe that is the correct answer to that it's one. It's amazing. The guy's 76 years old. Wow. I know, right? He, pro- he probably still has uh, orange hair, too. I think that the gray is honestly afraid to come into his hair. I think <laughs> it, it, it tries, and he just he just gives it a stern look in the mirror, and it runs the opposite direction. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I wonder... I, I once had... Um, a Chuck Norris ninja action figure as a child. I wonder if, if I could dig that up in my parents' uh, house. I don't know. You could put, <laughs> put it on the Facebook page. Absolutely. I know. Absolutely. <laughs> Father Matt, this one is for you. A little anticlimactic after that last one, I'm afraid. But this one is for you. Easter Monday or Boxing Day? Boxing Day. Um... Because it's also the feast of, of, of Saint Stephen, a, a, a very uh, heroic figure in, in the history of, of our faith, um, and it's also the the day after Christmas Day is often as joyous uh, as Christmas Day itself. Because uh, you know, I remember always uh, uh, after celebrating Christmas with my immediate family, then we'd go off and we'd. Uh, visit aunts and uncles and everything uh the day after and 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 it's still a day to to visit friends and and family uh so yeah i'm gonna have to say boxing day no see i i would have thought 
the relief of Easter Monday, having for a priest, having survived Holy Week uh, with all of those <laughs> intense uh, special services. Uh, but uh, but you make a good point about Saint Stephen. So yeah, and, and Easter Monday, I I, I I don't plan on being conscious that day. So. <laughs> Father Kyle, Bell Biv DeVoe, or Boys to Men. I'll only have to go with my gut and say boys to men simply because I grew up in the Philadelphia area. Ah. That's all in Motown Philly. That's right. Yes. You don't like Belle Biv DeVoe, though? That girl is poison. You don't like that song? Come on. I don't remember that song. Oh, man. (laughs) Da 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 da. Yeah, that's good stuff. It brings back memories of being on the bus in middle school. What can I say? Although I did own a copy of Cooley High Harmony, so which was oh. Boys to Men's album. <laughs> Father Matt, uh, I know a lot of churches this time of year are having um, soup and salad dinners. Uh, we're going to have one uh, here at Holy the Co- Holy Comforter tonight. Uh, so my question to you, sir, is soup or salad? Well, uh, I'm going to have to say soup. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's any number of kinds of soup. There's any number of kinds of salad. It um, depends which has the most meat. Which has the you most know? meat in it? Yeah, so, like... That's right. If, if it's, like, a salad with, like, lots of meat and cheese, then maybe the salad. I'm not but sure that you get the concept of Lent, uh, Father Matt. <laughs> He does, he does. He is taking (laughs) up a spiritual discipline. So you can sacrifice or you can take up during Lent. What's the the discipline he's taking up? Well, he's taking up from those who would would otherwise gorge themselves. So he's helping them. Oh, I see. So, like, you can add something to your life in Lent that, you know, will enrich you spiritually. In my case, it's more, you know? Yeah, but uh, yeah, prob- probably soon. And here is this is Fa- Father Matt um, within the hour after the Lenten soup and salad dinner. <laughs> there he is. There he is. Well, that's going to do it for this and this or that, and so that's going to do it for our program this week as well. Once again, uh, a hearty shout-out to the folks at All Souls in Oklahoma City. They really did make me feel at home. I really loved being there. And, hey, maybe one of these days, we all three of us will go out. We can do record the show live from Oklahoma City. That would be, that would be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. If you want to uh, hear the program again, you can reach us through our website, godandcomics.com. Check out the show page. In addition to putting the show up there, we also have lots of links to many of the rad things that we talked about in the course of the program. So definitely be sure to check that out. Uh, you can also subscribe to God and Comics through iTunes. And while you're there on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind giving us a rating and a review, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps other people to find the show. Did you guys see there's a new rating up there? Uh, re- or not rating, a new review up there recently, which was very positive. So I was very happy about that. So please come on out, give us a rating and a review. Unless you hate the show, 
uh, in which case, uh, don't. <laughs> now, what, whatever, your, your, your feedback, however you'd like to give it, we will be happy to have it, no matter what it is. Our theme music is by Father Paul Wheatley. Hopefully you are banging your head to it right now in the most reserved, disciplined, heroic, and Lenten manner humanly possible. Until next time, I'm Father Jonathan Michikin. I'm Father Kyle Tomlin. I'm Father Matt Stromberg. And we will see you.